All right, let's get it on, folks. Today is another episode of Unapologetic Idiocy. I am your host, as always, Daniel Jonas on Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Today is Monday, March 30th, 2020. Um, It is nice and probably like 70 degrees here in Charlotte. It's a little rainy. Um, I took the weekend off, obviously. I like to give everyone their two days. I don't think you guys need podcasts during the quote-unquote weekends to give you guys a little bit of a break, spend some time with family, um, focus on yourselves. I mean, you guys are doing a lot of that right now, and we're doing it before this even started, but just focus on uh, your loved ones and just, you know, rest and relaxation even though you're getting every day of it until April 30th. So before we get started, remember to check out the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, I, uh, I already said iTunes, and other, any other listening source, as well as check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and all other, and southernscrapnation.com to find out everything more, um, and you can find videos. I got to still put those videos up and find them, and then I'll put them up on, on uh, what's the word for it, on, the, on YouTube. I'll put it up on YouTube. So that being said, I also am going to try and set up a Patreon, or I have set up a Patreon, and um, I'll get that. I'll get that for us. I'll get that all set up for us. Uh, and then, if you guys have some, that's fine. I understand if you don't, um, but. Maybe this isn't. Nope. Never mind. Um, anyway, so let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. Um, as far as what's going on, North Carolina. You know. Give me one. Hmm. All right. Never mind. All right. Cool. Cool. Sorry. All right, so as far as things go in the news, North Carolina, local, locally, North Carolina, Mecklenburg was put on lockdown. Now, the whole state today will be put on stay-at-home orders, not lockdown, but stay-at-home orders. So that means only essential businesses will be open during this time, and essential businesses include liquor stores, hospitals, grocery stores, gas stations, Golf courses, for some reason. Um, Parks, to their discretion, I think, are open. But all the parks around here are closed. Uh, I don't know. It's fucking weird. As far as... I mean, the liquor store thing, I get. I understand that. I understand that's considered an essential. There are a lot of people that they have... They may have a problem with alcohol, or during this time, I mean, alcohol is fucking nice to have, um, but there are also people with problems, and you can't just cold turkey people from alcohol, because if they do, they'll die, especially if they're alcoholics, so you don't need to be flooding the ER room with also people going through withdrawal, plus during times like this, Black Plague, people still drink alcohol, they found wine, like I said, wine is still readily available, get wine drunk, people, get wine drunk, I can't 
preface that even enough. I think there's a reason why people drank wine all through history. And I think there's a reason why wine is wine and well, I guess you could put beer in there too. I don't know. I'm not a big beer fan, but if you need your beer, I'm also not a big wine fan. It just it suits the time. It suits the time to sit down and be a stressed out housewife. You're a housewife regardless now. Whether you're a man, woman, he, her, Z's or whatever it is, you're a housewife. You're sitting at home, got nothing to do, you're babysitting the kids. <clears throat> so drink at 12, and nothing goes better than drinking at 12 than a nice glass of Pinot Grige <laughs> or whatever kind of wine you like. <clears throat> I'm a Malbec guy. But that being said, up until your wine, grab yourself a workout. Remember, guys, get a nice stretching in the morning. I saw a nice uh, little headline of well, – not headline, but a little picture of just a, a good – what are they called? A flow, in, a yoga flow. It's like 20 seconds each. You go downward dog, um, cobra pose, plank, child's pose. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones. But just, um, just do 20 seconds each. Wake your body up. Usually you wake up, get your coffee, walk around a little bit, go to the car, sit down in the car, probably not the best thing. Uh, go to your office, walk to your office. Get, so at some point you feel like you're kind of warmed up, but then you go sitting down at a desk. Now that you have the time, make a new, make a new wake up habit. Wake up, as soon as your feet hit the floor, start to stretch. Stretch everything out. Stretch everything out. Get that blood flowing. Get that blood flowing. Uh, also in local news... Everything is shut down till April 30th. I think that's also national news. I think, the, like I said, the quarantine is going to be slowly extended until this thing wears away. We did a really bad job preventatively for this, so we're having to be reactive. I saw a really shitty video of bodies being loaded into refrigerated trucks because the morgues are over capacity in New York City. Or at least that one part of New York City. Which to me seems kind of weird because as many deaths as we have, um, I'm going to look up the coronavirus deaths in New York City. So New York City, because of the hot, they're the hot spot, they get, and I mean, they have nearly 30,000 cases. I'm going to guess that's because Okay, with a death every nine minutes. All right. The death toll is 517. Oh, well, that makes a... Mm, makes a... Well, yeah, that makes a big difference. Hmm. What I want to know, though, is how many people die in New York daily? Um, nope. Okay. In 2015, there were 1,000 or 153,000 deaths. That comes to 428 a day as heart disease and cancer is the leading cause. So 420 deaths a day added 67. Okay, I get that 67 more deaths can probably 
hit something. I, I think it's people. I think it's the thirty three thousand cases. People are just constantly. It's thirty three thousand people into the ER, hospital, little little tent areas that they have. I think that's what's really. Plus, countless others going in to be tested that ha- don't have it, and then they come out of the probably having it. So, okay, these fucking morons. If you feel like you have a scratch in your throat or you – okay, I'll pull this up because this is actually a very good post from a former res, re, re, something. She'll, she'll tell you what her name is or what her former title was. Okay. She was a former – uh, respiratory therapist. She's retired now. She used to be the nurse at my military school. Really, really, really good nurse as far as knowledge. And um, she was great because you're, you're in a school where, uh, to bring it back to the, the military school, I've got a lot of stories that I, I kind of want to start to share as far as keeping content and giving you guys something to listen to. But uh, 12 years old, I already had to get my meningococcal, meningococcal uh, vaccine because in, I mean, you get it before you go to college, but anytime you're boarding with other people, there's a, there's that, there's a, what's the word for it? There's a increased case of being able to catch different things. So they need these really good nurses that are way above the pay grade of a not a way above, but above the pay grade of a regular school nurse. Because these women also have to spend the night. They have to make sure if there's people, if they're, like, deathly sick. I mean, these kids can't just go home. They have to go and spend the night at the uh, nurse's office. And we weren't allowed to take a day off of school, like some of y'all out there that were in high school and, like, uh, I feel a little sick today, so I'm not going to school. Um, we weren't allowed to take school off unless we were had a fever or vomiting like excessive. So as far as knowing how serious something can be, that's why I take her advice is because she can, she, I mean, she could always tell one, we're a bunch of kids in military school. I would do anything in the six days or in the six years that I was there to just take one fucking day off from the monotony of doing it. Cause after this, I'll explain to you my, my whole day cycle. And I did it for six years. And if I could have just taken one day for rest, you know, um, it, it, like the yeah. So she knew. So to like go back to what I was talking about, she knows the severity of something. And when it comes to a fever, and when it comes to these kinds of symptoms that you show when it comes to coronavirus, she can tell you when it's time to go to the ER, when it's worth going to the emergency room. She knows how to take care of situations as you know, like super, not super bad, but like she knows the severity line. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. She knows the severity line and I'm going to read to you some of this. So that way, you know where your severity line is. So you're not flooding the hospitals. And then when you go there, you don't have it. You end up getting it because you're just surrounded by people who have it and then adding to the problem. So here's, here's her advice. So, um, since they're calling respiratory therapy to fight, coronavirus. I'm a retired one, too old to work in the hospital setting. I'm going to share some common wisdom or common sense wisdom with those that have the virus and trying to stay home. So even if you have it, because I had a really bad virus, the flu sort of thing back in January, um, 
and it was awful. I was shaking, bad fever, da 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 da. And I used some of the advice that I just knew as a kid. You you want to sweat the fever out to break it. Um, so one, only high temperature kills a virus, so let your fever run high. Tylenol, Advil, Motrin, Ibuprofen um, will bring the fever down along, uh, allowing the virus to live longer. They're saying that Ibuprofen, Advil will actually exasperate uh, the virus so that it might be a muted, a mutated version of the virus making uh, – this isn't quoted by her, end quote. This is now my two thoughts. It's probably a mutated version of the virus. That's why ibuprofen doesn't work on it. Back to what she was saying. Use common sense and don't let fever go over 103 or 4. If you got uh, – use common sense and don't let the fever go over 103 and 04. If you got the guts – so people don't like fevers, and they'd rather take stuff. I, don't, I didn't take anything during that. When I had, when I had a flu, I don't, I don't like taking pills, especially like ibuprofen or Advil because of the damage it can do on your liver. Um, I don't like pills in general. I, I do take vitamins. I pray to God at least like the multivitamin doesn't beat the shit out of my organs. But I know ibuprofen and those types of things. Um, and there's also other issues with those kinds of pills as well, blood thinning and so on and so forth. Especially with this, it can actually exasperate. But, so I didn't use anything. All I did was, and she said, what she's going to tell you in a little bit, I got under the covers, I got hot. I put on all my clothes because you get that cold feeling, but you're fucking hot. My bed was soaked every night. But the more and more I did that, the better and better I felt because I was kind of getting it out of my system. Um, if it gets higher than, than that, take Tylenol. So if it gets too bad, then take it. Mine never got too bad because I did the seven Ps. I did the prior preparation, right? And so she's doing this. She's saying the same thing. If you take the prior preparation for this, then you don't have to worry about taking the pills. Pills should be the last, last line of defense. And that's what I'm going to try to get with this is the hospital should be even the last, last, last line of defense, right? You should be able to take care of this stuff at home. We've been able to live this long as a species and we've been able to cultivate these households and shelters where we can live for weeks on end without having to leave our hovel and be healthy by just sitting on a couch because we've got all these supplements we've got these uh, we've got these medicines we've got vitamin c packets oh not even a hundred years ago we wouldn't have been able to do that right a hundred years ago, exactly in 1920s, medicine back then, they were still cutting people's arms off and shit. They had, like, very minimal, they had very, like, barbaric surgery. I mean, you're talking World War I times. So the ability to be able to have, like, a Tylenol, Ibuprofen, Advil, or anything like that that can help you, and we'll get into the other stuff that you can take that, shit, man, if you need it, need it, and don't even argue about the extras or the extra part about it, but um, you have all these things that can benefit you as far as keeping you healthy or if you are sick to stop you from getting worse. You don't automatically need to go to somebody. You don't need to add someone else's, add someone else into your drama and your issue. And a lot of people have that issue. That's what a lot of people's problems are as far as diverting away from what I was just talking about. A lot of you 
can't fucking deal with your own problems. A lot of you have to bring someone else into your own problems, and that's the issue with this coronavirus is. Deal with your own fucking problems so you don't infect anyone else. Stop fucking putting your shit on other people. All right, so if you can gut it out, let your, let your fever run high. You don't want this thing. That's your, defense, that's your body's defense. Your body's reaction to the virus is it defending itself against the virus. The virus, the symptoms, if, the, if you don't have those symptoms and the virus is just running rampant, it'll develop like pneumonia. The fever isn't, like the fever, if it gets too high, obviously it's not good. But that's what's, that's what's, uh, that's part of the, that's part of your body fighting it. Because, uh, like she says here, um, take time, if it gets too high, da, 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 da. if it helps to keep your house warm and cover up with blankets, if it, it helps to keep the house warm and cover up with blankets so nobody, so the body doesn't have to work so hard to generate the heat. Your body's using the heat to fight it off, right? So what she's saying is let your body get hot. So help it out by keeping the air, keep the air conditioner off, um, just especially since it's summertime. Go outside and sunbathe. Keep blankets over. Whatever it takes that for you to sweat. Um, it takes usually about three days to break the fever, and that's what happened with me. It was like three days of just miserable sleeping and miserable just sweating the body out. But the problem with sweating so much is you're going to have to rehydrate. And she says here, rehydrate plenty. Gatorade with sugar. I know a lot of you are like, ugh, I don't drink sugar. Sugar's bad for me. Well, you need that extra electrolytes. Some of you have never fucking, never, some of you have never worked out and it's, it's showing online. I mean, it's showing online. But a lot of you didn't even varsity in sport in high school. And I'm bringing that back up because a lot of you fucking talk a lot of shit about jocks, quote unquote, in high school or in life. Fuck y'all. These are the people that are going to, not all of them are surviving because some of them are, oh, these, these anomalies in the studies. But people that take care of themselves typically don't have to work with this. And people that have dealt with these kinds of, or have, have played sports in high school know that sugar with, or Gatorade with sugar after working extremely hard. And when I mean extremely hard, uh, enough that your, your body's running 103 inside and you're sweating so much. You need that sugar to replenish your electrolytes in your body as well as you need that sugar in your body. The glyco- the, uh, the glucose. Um, pro football players in their diet, I mean, even college football players in their diet would eat gummy bears after practice. You have to. Um, it'll give, it gives your body energy. Um, the electrolytes and fluid you are losing will also be replenished by Gatorade. If you don't do this and, and end up in the hospital, they will give you an IV and give you D5W sugar water and normal saline to replenish electrolytes. Gatorade is much cheaper, pain-free, and comes in an assortment of three flavors. She's the best fucking nurse. Yeah, you don't, have, you don't want a fucking IV, you dummy. So drink some Gatorade. This is the one time in your life that you can just Gatorade the fuck up. All right, you must keep your lungs moist. Beat best done by taking long, steamy showers on a regular basis. If you're wheezing or congested, use a real minty toothpaste or brush your teeth while taking steamy showers and deep breathe through your mouth. This will provide some bronchial dilation and help loosen the phlegm. Force yourself to cough into a wet washcloth pressed 
firmly over your mouth and nose, which will cause greater pressure in your lungs, forcing you to expand more and break loose more of the congestion. And then here's, you know, eat healthy regularly, keep your strength up. Once fever breaks, start moving around back your body or move, get your body moving around back in shape, circulating. Deep breathe on a regular basis, even if it hurts. If you don't, if you don't, it becomes easy to develop pneumonia. Pursed lip breathing really helps. That's breathing in deep and slow while ex- exhaling through tight lips as if you're blowing out a candle. Blow until you have completely emptied your lungs and you'll be able to breathe in even deeper. Or you'll be able to breathe in even deeper breaths. This helps uh, keep lungs expanded as well as increase your oxygen level. Remember, every medication you take is merely relieving the symptoms, not making you well. That's a big thing people have to understand. And this is another reason why I don't take those drugs is especially like pain relief, right? If you have a bum knee or something or you hurt yourself and you rolled your ankle. Um, the, the ibuprofen and stuff, it just offers relief to the inflammation. And even then, I think your body just remains inflamed. I don't think the, like, I think ibuprofen causes inflammation actually. But it's supposed to just offer pain relief but the pain's still there. Like, the, what's causing the pain is still there. The problem is still there. Um, I'm actually going to share this. So if you want to go on my Facebook and find this, you can. Uh, it'll be there, Daniel Jonas on Facebook. I'm going to go ahead and share it because this is a... This is um, It's really good advice. It's good advice. People should People should use it. Um, okay. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so. All right, oh, okay, so in MMA news, we'll throw it over to MMA a little bit just so you can decompress all that information on another time and think about some good stuff. So, Khabib, stranded in Russia, quote-unquote, looking UFC is with or without him. I'm honestly confused about this because I think Russia developed a travel ban. I think Russia is now doing quarantine, even though I saw a funny video of, like, everyone at the park sitting down at benches. Uh-uh-uh. So we'll see. You can defense. Yeah, okay, so um, they say as far as the John Jones situation is concerned that his previous DUIs and his previous, his previous stuff could throw curveballs into his case as, as in like add time, could get jail time because of it. The one thing I will say as far as on Jones' side, I mean, whatever he gets in trouble for, I get it. Like, it, it, Listen, if he, if he was being an ass, I get it. But you also have to admit, watching that body cam footage, the cops in Albuquerque have something out for that guy. They do. They honestly do. They say, what's your name, sir? And they act like they don't know who the fuck he is. 
Albuquerque is not a big spot. You know who John Jones is, especially if you work on the force there. They obviously have something against him. And it's not like he can just move, so I feel bad for him. It's boring as fucking Albuquerque. He's a caged lion. We went over this before on the other podcast. The one before, like last week's podcast, or the other day's podcast. He's a caged lion. It's boring as fuck. And he, what he did wasn't the greatest. I, I, I mean, I don't really know much more. He was walking around drunk as fuck, whatever. He, I guess he shot a gun. That's definitely not good. Definitely shouldn't be shooting guns when you're drunk in public. It, definitely negligent use of a firearm and could for sure and could oh, this is fucking trash news um and you could for sure uh, arrest him for that he was out of the car one i think when they pulled over and they found him or he was in his but it wasn't on he was drunk it just seems like a lot of paperwork that could have just been easily you know, I mean, I guess not, because if they had a body cam on, then maybe if they just, if they just let it go by, then that's what would be on the, that's what would be on the, um, that's what would be on the recording. It's like, all right, John, just don't let us see you out here again. And then he drives away with his being drunk as fuck like maybe that's not a good look either but at the same time you don't i don't know no one's no one's at fault john and that police department do not work and john and police obviously don't work but it goes back to he's the best at beating the fuck out of people he's not the best at taking care of your grandma anyway so that being said that's what could add to that um other than that, there's not really much going on in MMA news, so let's move on a little bit to what is popular in regular everyday news. Popular. Um... Hmm. Let's see. Uh, there's all right. Sorry about that. I had to go use the restroom, but we are back. Um, as far as um, I don't. Uh, I don't really see. I don't know. People are bored as fuck. I haven't really seen anything worth. Sharing with everybody uh, on on TV, Ozark. Oh, that's what we'll talk about. Fucking Ozark season three, y'all. Ozark. If you're not on Ozark, get on fucking Ozark. It is worth the binging. You, th- everyone's off of Tiger King, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's there to watch now?" Ozark. That's your shit from now on. Uh, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Not maybe not first, but you definitely heard it here. Um, get on it. You know why? Because it's Breaking Bad, but production-wise, I think better. Director-wise, I don't know who directed Breaking Bad, but Jason Bateman is one of the best directors out, director actors out there. Uh, they had a bunch of different directors. 
Brian Cranston directed a little bit. Yeah, they had a bunch of different directors. Um, but as far as I am concerned, Vince Gill, Vince Gill, Gill, Gilligan. Yeah. Yeah, that dude was the main director. But, man, Jason Bateman, I mean, he's directed... Uh, he, I mean, if you're on the HBO kick right now, he's directing out The Outsider. Um, I'm trying to think of movies he directed because he directed. Oh, he won. A, he was a winner. Oh, best comedy winner, Golden Globe. Yep, winner, primetime Emmy. Outstanding director of a drama series, Ozark. I'm telling you guys, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of actors out there that can also pick up the uh, the directing gig and make it and kill it. One of the people that does kill it, him on top of John Krasinski, right? Jim from The Office. You watch any movie he's in, it's pretty good. But then you watch the stuff that he's directed, uh, Quiet Place, for example. He and his wife Emily Blunt they directed it, and it is unbelievably good. They just have an eye for that kind of... They just have an eye for uh, cinematography. Um, directed eight of the episodes on Ozark. Yeah, he directed eight of the episodes. Outsider, he directed two. Bad Words, he directed. Bad Words was a hilarious movie. Underrated, if you ask me. He only directed one for Arrested Development. That's weird. So as far as now, Ozark, a little bit of a um, little bit of a background and idea of what Ozark is. It's kind of it's not the same idea of Breaking Bad. They're just categorized the same because it's drug, it's drug crime drama. DCD, drug crime drama, um, a drug crime. The it's the same where they get. Involved with the Mexican cartel, but after dealing with the local crime uh, at a local level, state level, national, then international level, right? It builds, and instead of just being, and I liked, I liked Breaking Bad as a concept. This is where you see the evolution in people's thoughts and people being able to digest things like podcasts or things with more depth. Where before we were like, uh, people don't think that. And when I say we, I mean as a country. We don't think that deep. Now you're starting to see that there's a big, big, big amount of people that love, number of people that love deep content. Um, like I said, podcasts, three-hour-long podcasts. You have shows that come out the like planet, like life two, planet, planet Earth, or something like that. Just, just things where it's more than a sitcom. And sitcoms aren't even big anymore. We we've evolved past sitcoms. We've evolved past that ha, live in studio audience. We want real comedy. We want real funny things. Not something that you have pre planned laughs so then you laugh. I don't know if you guys watched the John Oliver show the other week with no audience. It was one of the worst things in the world. It just doesn't come off the right way. When you play to a live audience, it comes off so terribly when there's no live audience. And it comes off fake. 
and we're moving away from that. I'm not saying that Breaking Bad had that feeling, but Breaking Bad, just like Sons of Anarchy, I think we've just, it's just a different generation of movie almost or show. I think we've evolved past that production-wise. I mean, Netflix, when they get their hands on something, and it is actually worth doing, uh, Daredevil, right? Uh, Luke Cage was all right. But when they really put all their focus, because I, I, I picked Daredevil mostly because that's when that was one of the first ones to come out, and they killed Punisher. But when they when they put Daredevil out it was the first one, so they put all their time and energy on it. It was one of the most badass superhero things I've ever seen. The the the, the detailed the fight scenes. Anyway, the idea that the idea is that Netflix has the money to put it put a great production behind it. And that makes a whole bit of difference. And then there's some shows that take all that production and then they shit all over the screen and everyone hates it. Understandable. There's so many Netflix originals that there's going to be a bunch of shitty ones in order to have a good one. One out of five ain't bad. Anyway, going back to Ozark, going back to Breaking Bad. The key similarities. Guy runs out of luck, family falling apart, breaking down, looks to get into crime in order to make his life better, in order to make sure his family... Uh, thrives. In this one, he's not a guy with cancer and then makes the, and then starts getting into selling. It's a deeper dive, right? It's a guy in a failing marriage. It's not an easy, it's not an easy get. It's not a guy that's got some disease and he needs to get money for. So then that, the easy way to get into it is selling drugs. And then being a chemistry teacher, he's really good at making drugs. And then, that's it, there is a little bit of complexity to it, but not in a complexity where this guy is in a failing marriage. And I'm not telling anyone anything that you don't see in the first five five seconds of watching it. And life is not going. He's got two kids that are just not, you know, it's just a failing marriage. He's not there. He's working a dead end job as a an accountant. Ugh. Um and then he follows that into moving to the Ozarks in order to 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 chase something as far as the Ozarks, middle of Missouri. Who the fuck thinks of that as it? Not obviously the middle of the desert was a big was a big change when Breaking Bad first came out. But the idea that the Ozarks and then you look up the Ozarks in real life, the Ozarks are nice guys. The Ozarks are nice and thanks to the show it's probably um It's probably uh, become more more famous. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a beautiful it's a lake areas, big houses, big everything, big space. I mean it's beautiful areas. Uh, moves to the middle of Missouri in that area to then launder money for crime, money laundering. Money laundering sounds like the most boring part of the job. It was one of the most like side story things that that in Breaking Bad Walt had to deal with. He laundered money by creating that car wash, and that was kind of the end of the story. Like sometimes the car washing place would get involved in something, but that's mostly just where he laundered money. This is all about the process of it and laundering money for a cartel, more or less. What is a cartel without their money and power? So it's an essential part of their structure to be an organized crime 
and how important it is to be someone good with money, even though an accountant is the most boring job someone can think about. Numbers all day for some asshole. That's what you're doing. Uh, our, my family has an accountant, and it's like I feel bad for them because it's just an asshole that has to deal with our money. You know, and it's the same thing with them. It's a boring job. But there's also a side of accounting that's not boring, and that's dealing for money for people that, I don't know, deal drugs internationally on an illegal basis and murder people. So it's a fun little world to see where you see Mexican cartel mixed with the Ozarks and Arkansas and Missouri and these places that most Americans never go to, think very lowly of it, and only think there are rednecks there. There are a lot of red. There are a lot of rednecks there, and I don't wouldn't call them rednecks, but in the eyes of what people would call them, that's what they are. Um, but there's also a lot of thriving businesses and cities and houses, and it's beautiful. So I I love the idea. I love and what they've done with the show and how they've how they've moved forward with it and ooh how. The twists and turns, the character development. I think the character development, to be honest, I think that on itself is, yeah, I think the character development itself is way better than Breaking Bad. Each character. And Breaking Bad had several characters on their own, and they had sort of character development, but you mostly hated most of them, and they were kind of like open-ended ones, right? These are all great characters. Everyone's got their own specific story and what they're all. Yeah. Anyway, you you get it. So Ozark, watch it. It's so great. It's so great. And like I said, one of the best directors out there. So, so, okay, well, in the words for Jason Bateman, 10 of his most underrated films, The Family Fang, never saw it. Paul, that's a good movie. Uh, that's with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost with um, with a alien voiced by Seth Rogen. And Jason Bateman plays like this asshole special agent guy. Bad Words, like I said, phenomenal movie. He plays an awesome character. Dodgeball, he's in it. He plays the Pepper Brooks. He's the commentator on ESPN, The Ocho. Awesome, awesome. State of Play, I don't think I saw that movie. I'm going to watch that. He plays the the fox in Zootopia. The Gift. Hmm. Oh, Joel Edgert, Edgerton's in it. Talk about another killer actor slash, I don't know if he's a director, but Titan guy is Joel Edgerton. He's fucking phenomenal. Game Night, that was pretty good. It's a pretty funny movie. He had a good uh, back and forth with Rachel McAdams. I didn't even realize he was in Juno. He's in Juno. And then number one, Up in the Air. Oh. Didn't get to see that movie either, but you always hear good things about Up in the Air. Who else is in that? Anna Kendrick's in it? Hmm. But he's not the main character. Hmm. Maybe he is. I wonder if it's on Netflix. I might watch it. No. 
Anna Kendrick as the main character, and George Clooney. That's right. I think that was a George Clooney movie. So anyway, that's Ozark for you, and the brilliance of Jason Bateman. Uh, we can go for a little bit longer. Other than that, um, what to watch, what to watch. Dave, Dave is hilarious. If you guys need to get into something comedic, four episodes, five episodes out now. I think I talked about it. Uh, I'm a huge rap fan, so having all these cameos of different rappers on there. Yeah, damn. This guy did an allergy test, and he was allergic to most everything that the doctors couldn't tell because everything was so swollen. It doesn't look bad. It just looks like he's got a bunch of mosquito bites on his back, except for a couple areas. I've n I did one of those when I was a kid. I wonder if I should do those again. <laughs> Funny meme. Adults. Kid makes a valid argument. Parent, this is disrespect. I think, I think that okay. So let's let's dive into that. Um, people were so angry at the kids that went on the spring break. It's like, bro, that's your fucking parent, and the parent and parents are blaming millennials. Millennials aren't the ones in spring break. Millennials are thirty years old. I'm a millennial, but I'm like the last age of millennial. Like I'm the last year of millennials almost. Like ninety six is the last one. And then it's the generation after that, right? Uh, millennials and Gen Xers are, we're just living lives. However, it's the generation before that. So the Gen X kids or even boomer kids maybe, the kids of boomers or the kids of Gen Xers that are the ones going on spring break. I think that's Gen Z, Gen Z people. So for those kids... Yes, they suck. They're not great and whatever. They're kids in college. Kids in college suck. I was in college not that long ago. I sucked. And so did everyone that I hung out with. They all fucking sucked. Um, so, of course, they're going to go down to the beach like, I planned this for two months. And that's what one of the kids is like, we planned it for two months. And, of course, we're not going to let some virus stop us. One, they think they're being brave by going and doing something at, while – while there's, like, this going on, they're like, we're standing up against this fucking virus. It's an invisible enemy that you don't stand up to. Anyway, they don't get it. Two, and, um, and then two, what was, oh, yeah, they're college kids. They're college kids. If there's, if you're a college boy and there's girls there, you're going. Because you're trying to get laid. And if you're a college girl and there's guys there, you're going because you're trying to get laid. Uh, we're trying to do drugs, trying to drink, whatever the case may be. You're going to have a good fucking time. And in a time like this, it is time to have a good fucking time. However, you got to be smart and going, against, and going up to people or being in groups of people is, is not what you want to be doing is to have a good time. Do drugs and drink at home like a regular fucking adult. Otherwise, white, otherwise, you can just white-knuckle it. Um, 
so then that being said, people are like, oh, how fucking terrible. And I see it on my Facebook. How terrible these fucking people are. Well, you raised them. It's your kids. These are the kids that come from you. You raise these people. I'm not saying one person raised all those kids or that one person raised those particular kids, but it's that generation. Any generation that's blaming the ones before it, your generation didn't do shit. None of our generations have done shit. It's not even the baby boomers. It's the generation before the baby boomers that did stuff. We're now boomers, Gen X, millennials, Gen Z. We're not four generations separated from people that did anything. We're a bunch of bitches. We're a bunch of we're a bunch of skin sacks. That's what we are at this point. And to have the baby boomers, the people running this country right now, going, "Oh, look at all these fucking selfish kids." You're the most selfish people. For example, my I come from the most I come from baby boomer parents, and they were selfish too. They were so selfish. My whole fucking my whole goddamn growing up was about it was about what was working for them. And then, and then twisting it around and going, we did what's best for you. Mm. No, you did what's best for you, and then you were like a little bit of what's good for me. For example, my parents were divorced at a young age. I got divorced at a young age from my parents, or my parents got divorced at a young age, right? My dad was being in Brazil, and my mom was like, well, I... we." They separate, and my mom goes to the United States to pursue her law, a master's in law, which is good for her. They get divorced. I grow up. I don't have a parent. I don't have a father in the household. So I develop issues with not having a father figure. My mom sends me to military school for six years. So you go back and look at that. She, does, she was doing, in her mind, she's doing what's best for me. I didn't have a father figure, so she sent me to a place to have father figures and so I could get that. In turn, I did, and it was a, there's times where it's a good experience. Like for right now, I don't mind quarantine because I lived in quarantine before, so I can handle situations like this. However, that's not how you deal with situations as a fucking parent. You don't just throw your kid away. You don't just throw a marriage away if it's not working. I listen to... People that were in way worse situations as far as financially, emotionally, um, mentally. They were just not in a place to even have a kid. They weren't, maybe they met the person like not that long ago and then they, ju- they just have a kid. So now they're forced to be together to raise this child. My mom and dad knew each other for 10 years before they had me. They adopted me. It wasn't even like, you know, spontaneous or anything like that. They planned it. They were fucking calculated with it. And when things didn't work out, obviously everyone's got their issues, and I understand that. When things didn't work out, they did what was best for them and just fucking split. And then I was stuck with my mom. My dad got to live his fucking life in Brazil. Now, obviously, that's some of my dad's part in it, too. I'm not discounting my dad. My dad was 70. 71 when he passed away. So talk about a baby boomer. I mean, he's probably even before the boomers. Um, but, you know, same mentality that that what's best for you. And they love to play it along like we love you so much. You do, but if you loved 
each if you love the family so much, if you want to do what's best for me, you had to stick through and just be parents. People with way less did have done way more for kids, for kids that they didn't even expect. It's the mentality of the baby boomer where, well, we raised you, we took care of you, we paid for schooling and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you're misguiding the sense that money equals emotion. It doesn't. Money doesn't equal emotion. Giving money to somebody doesn't automatically make you – it doesn't make you feel for them. What it makes you now feel is like you owe them, and it makes you feel like you – it almost – you make them resent you because it feels like you're, they're buying your emotion. So then when you start to feel for somebody and have legitimate feelings and go, this is not how I feel for my whoever in your family – for people that were like that, you know, who try to buy their way into your love. It's a very boomer thing to do. You start to have actual feelings for somebody, whether it be a friend, um, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever it may be, child even, where you actually start to feel something where it's, it's natural. And you go, this is not how I feel for whoever. And it, it builds this resentment that you have. You go, oh, they just tried to make me feel like I owe them. It's almost like an indentured servant feeling. Oh, you got to do this. You got to stroke their ego. You got to calm them down because they, they threw money at you. They, they gave you a nice birthday check. You got to be nice to them. It's like that's not what family is about. Family is about being with somebody and being for them regardless of money, regardless of what the situation is in the world. It's just being there for them. It's, it's loving and enjoying their, in their time. Family isn't about blood. If you have a piece of shit brother, sister, father, aunt, uncle, mother, and they still keep doing you wrong, you don't have to pick them back up constantly. It's not your job. They're the adult, right? You may feel like, oh, but it's my mom and I may need, I have to take care of them. If they were great to you and that's and you're just taking care of your parents, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about parents that have never done right by you and always threw you to the side or whatever the case may be, parents, sister, brother, whoever treated you terribly and threw you to the side. You're not obligated to take care of them because they're quote-unquote family. That's not a thing. You treat people the way that you want to be treated. You can't play the, oh, well, you're my, you're my whatever, so you have to feel this way for me. That's manipulation. That's what they're doing. It's emotional manipulation. People shouldn't treat each other like that. You shouldn't have this ultimatum of, I get to get away with this because you're this person. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And so, in this, especially in this time, if you feel like that, man, you got to find your family somewhere else. If you got friends that feel like family, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like a fraternity brother. Let's relax. Talking about friends that you've known forever. Like I have a friend, I've known him. I mean, you guys know him bits. Like I know I've known him for eleven years now. Brother. That's what I consider a brother. He and I are not related by blood, but to me, he's closer to me than my brothers and sisters are. And he's met brothers and sisters, and they know this. Like they're not like, but my brothers and sisters are great. They're fucking awesome. But you know, they're my half brothers and sisters. I knew them. They're like twenty years older than I am. So we're not 20, 30 years older than I am. So we're not, like, super close. We are close. I do love going to visit them. 
love visiting their families. My middle brother and I are super close, um, but not in the way that Fitz and I are. I mean, we've known each other for 10 years, roommates, like a whole, whole slew of things. That, to me, is family. But when there's people in your family that try to buy their way in or, you know, whatever the case may be, or try to play that game of, well, you're related to this person, related to that person. It doesn't work that way. And, and I know a lot of you, it's hard from, I can see this from a, a different perspective because being adopted, there's something that people have with their parents that like they're their kid, right? They're their child. If you come from your mom's womb and she was just awful to you all, I'm not saying mom was, that's not what I'm getting at, but there's kids, there's people out there that they have an abusive parent, they have an abusive mother, they have an abusive father, and they come out uh, and they're like their genes. So they have this like little bit of a, oh, I see myself in them, they're my parent, I have this natural connection to them. I lived in my mom for nine months, you have this, you have this deep, deep, deep connection. I don't have that with my parents. Never did. Never will. Um, I don't have that like that like sentimental, no matter what feeling that oh, I have this connection. I don't. So anyone in my family that's treated me poorly or has treated me nicely, I have a pretty ra- like not. I don't know about rational view, but I have a pretty unbiased view on them because I don't have this mental, emotional, biological connection to them. I've never met my biological parents. I'd love, eh, maybe my mom, I'd like to meet her. I don't know anything about my dad. Um, but it's that kind of thing. Like, I, if I saw my mom, I'd probably see a little bit of myself in her, and I'd go, oh, my God, that's where I come from. But parents now, or the parents that I had, have mom, my dad passed, but my mom, like, I just... Even other extended family, even my brothers, sisters, I don't have that, you know, biological feeling. They're also half-brothers and sisters, so I definitely don't feel that. If you do have a half-brother, if you do have a stepsister, it's that kind of feeling. Like, they're your brother, but they're, I don't know, I don't really, really feel that. So, what I'm trying to say is, is if you're in a situation like this, and you're going to find this, and you're going to find out about this, or you're going to feel this situation... Because you've been at home with your parents and your and your sister and your brothers and your aunts, uncles, whoever's living, right? Um, what's the word for it? Yeah. So you're gonna find out that maybe these people, as much as they call each other family, and that's what you know is family, it's it may not be. Right, it, it, they're, they say it. They, your blood, you by blood and stuff, you're related. But don't, don't just subject yourself to mistreatment and manipulation in order to, um, what's the word for it? In, in order to just keep, keep good, good standing. Because at the end of the day, does it fucking matter? You're going to make your own family. I heard this line in Ozarks in season three, and it was a, it was a pretty good point. Um, 
I'm not spoiling anything, but Jason Bateman says to his daughter, we're the only family you have. And she looks at him, and kind of like when you say something to a dog and they don't know what you're saying, they like turn their head. She goes, I'll have my own family. It's so true. You can always make your own family. And it goes back to if you find someone that you actually love and you have those feelings for, and it's like, what is this? Is this what real love feels like? And you have that with this person. And then you have kids. And then you have actual feeling and love for them. And you do whatever you can for those kids that you have, right? If things don't go well and there's a turmoil for this person that you love and maybe things aren't working out, the love that you have for your kids will supersede whatever issues going on in your life, and it should. It should supersede whatever you're going on because you guys are a team. Divorce is a very selfish act. Divorce is you're trying to beat someone in a courtroom. And then the selfishness of just doing this to your children is unbelievable. Now, obviously, there's divorce that is needed, right, if there's a terrible situation and you need to get out of that situation violence, emotion, like terrible financial, mental, emotional manipulation, Stockholm Syndrome kind of stuff that you can't prove through physical, through physical evidence, but you can prove through emotional trauma or financial evidence, right? There's certain things that obviously you have to get, and you have to do it in order to get away from that one person. And it's that person's problem. It's not like, it's not like, Things aren't going well. This isn't the person that I remembered marrying. Da-da-da-da-da. I got to give it up for this person. Or this is happening too quick. I got to leave. No. You're in this together now. This is a team. It's a team effort. Um, anyway. Uh, so. That's pretty much what I... That's all I got. Um, so all those boomers, y'all are selfish. Not all of them. Obviously, um, it's a it's a gross it's a gross exaggeration. But if you guys don't know, this is comedy. I' sorry, I can't explain it to you, right? If you don't understand Norm Macdonald, I can't explain sense of humor to you. Sorry. Um, other than that, that's all I have for you guys today. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm still trying to figure out this video thing, but uh, I hope you guys are doing safe. I hope you guys are all safe. I hope you guys are doing well. And until next time, make sure to tune into SouthernScrapNation.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and then check us out on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all those places, SouthernScrapNation.com. I've been your host as always, Daniel Jonas. Stay safe, and until tomorrow, peace.